Hello and welcome to the Como Politicast. I'm Jeff Pogela. All eyes are on Georgia. The two Senate runoff elections in that state will determine control of the Senate and likely the tenor of Joe Biden's presidency, at least the first two years of it. At the moment, Republicans have a 50 to 48 edge in the chamber, but if Democrats can take both seats, it will be 50-50, and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will break the tie. All of this while President Trump continues to push wild conspiracy theories about his loss and is even pressuring election officials to change the vote. Como's Charlie Harger spoke about all of this with Republican strategist Randy Peppel and Democratic strategist Kathy Allen. Uh, Randy and Kathy, let's start with the president's phone call to the Georgia Secretary of State on Saturday. Uh, The president pressured him to find more than 11,000 votes and change the results of the election. Let's start with Kathy. Kathy, uh, what's the fallout from that call? Desperate and dateless. Got to tell you that I think right now everything that Trump has done, people have learned to expect him to do the most outlandish and the most, most outrageous. But I thought it was something that was... Um, criminally indictable if he weren't the president of the United States. I mean, this is clearly an issue. The only good thing I can tell you about it is that it's another get out the vote for Democrats. I mean, when we hear something in shenanigans like this, the fact is, is that you tend to wonder if Trump isn't somehow trying to throw the election away from uh, Mitch McConnell. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at it, that he want, that if, if these Republicans haven't stood by him, then a pox on all their houses. And as a result, he's doing these things that are not without some degree of advanced thinking of who is going to actually bear the brunt of my pain, too. And Randy, what do you think? There certainly is no rational excuse for the president's behavior. Uh, He is stuck in an irrational uh, thought process that he won the election. And as has been written many times about Donald Trump, he can't admit losing. And so those of us who were watching this election uh, with that in mind assumed that he would do things like this so that he can state a narrative that he did not win or did not lose, but that his victory was stolen from him. And and everything that he has been doing, whether it's attacking mail-in voting, whether it's attacking elections officials in Democratic states, or even in Georgia, an election official who's a Republican, that all fits his narrative that he did not lose, that it was taken from him. Now, the fact that most other uh, neutral observers would say that the president is the only one who believes this, you know, that's disregarding the fact that you have millions of his voters who believe it to be true. And he has to keep that alive for him to have any relevance after January 20th. Otherwise, he slips into the irrelevancy uh, that we can only hope and pray for. So let's talk about tomorrow. We have the Georgia election for Senate. Two Senate seats are up for grabs. Uh, What do you see happening, Randy? Well, traditionally... Runoff elections in the Deep South have favored Republicans because after you get past the general election, turnout drops and Republican voters were more committed to turnout than were Democrat voters in past special elections or or runoff elections uh, that you've seen in the South in the last few decades. What makes this so much different is the amount of technology that each side can bring to bear. They know exactly who voted 
on on November uh, 3rd. And their job is to turn those people out and make sure that they that, that they vote again on the assumption that they're not going to change their mind, that very little will have changed their mind from November to January regarding the Democrats and the Republicans. And given how close the elections were in November in Georgia, it's all about turnout right now. And who gets their voters there to the polls tomorrow is really going to matter for the Republican side because Democrats have done a much better job of getting their voters to vote early. I mean, early voting has been going on for a couple of weeks in Georgia, and Democrats have already banked those votes. Republicans need a huge turnout tomorrow if Mitch McConnell is going to remain the majority leader. And the president's own comments undercut that effort. And indeed, that's because Donald Trump wants to make every election all about him, whether he is on the ballot or not. And he wants to be able to say after Tuesday that either those candidates won because he showed up for a rally or they lost because he wasn't on the ballot. And gee, that's what losers do. So that, that Donald Trump's setting that up for himself right now. And that puts Mitch McConnell in a very precarious position because he needs every every vote he can get to remain majority leader. And two of them are slipping away right now. Kathy. It's two different issues that I think are important, at least for the Democratic side. One is the fact that when you have a president like Trump, who's a loose cannon on his good days and actually actually damaging on his bad, the fact is, is that if you have a number of people who are thinking they are going to turn out who are Republicans, who are used to voting in person, the fact is, is that this happens and it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, and he's kind of making them feel bad. Um, and it doesn't keep that incentive or positivity going that get you going out. It's still pretty cool and cold in, in Georgia and going out to vote in January is just not something that they're akin to anyways. I do agree that usually a Southern runoff is usually bad for uh, Democrats. But the fact is, is that we have 100,000 votes that are now already banked of new voters that did not vote in the actual November election. The Stacey Abrams Brigade, this is a woman with a mission, man, I'm telling you, this woman has not stopped in terms of this, and she has done a heck of a job in being that, I would say, that's kind of a spiritual leader here in regards to keeping people keeping on. So the energy is high when it comes to Democratic voters, Democratic organizers. I mean, every single minority group has the biggest election, paid election efforts right now that they've ever had in all of that. So I have to say, energy high, money even higher. No one's going to be outspent in this campaign. And and all of it, it's a matter of how much will we know tomorrow night? How many of those uh, mail-in ballots will we have by tomorrow night? Frankly, I think it's exciting. I'm not sure that you bank on changing history with this, but I am, I would say, more confident than I've ever been in a Southern election in January, for sure. 
Uh, let's transition over to what's happening on the 6th, Wednesday. The Congress is going to, uh, you know, oversee what has usually been a very ceremonial uh, election of the president. I think it's fair to say that none of us has ever seen anything like what's about to happen Wednesday. Um, what do you make of the Republican object- objections, Randy? Well, I, I think, Charlie, this is a media story. This is a media creation. Absolutely nothing is going to happen Wednesday other than a lot of hot talk. That's all. And at the end of the day, Joe Biden will have his Electoral College victory confirmed. I mean, these challenges happen all the time. Where were you four years ago when Pramila Jayapal was objecting to the Electoral College vote? Or when the Democrats were complaining in 2004? Or when the Democrats were complaining in 2000. They have challenged the Electoral College vote three times. This time, unfortunately, you have a president egging it on, but it's still going to have the same result as those three failed attempts by Democrats. The, the, the confirmed that the winner of the Electoral College vote on Wednesday or early Thursday morning, depending how long Ted Cruz talks. Well, but I think it's fair to say, and we did entirely cover the Jayapal objections four years ago. What What is fair to say, though, is that was like one or two in Congress. And in 2004, the only time you got one senator to uh, agree to that. Now you've got close to a dozen senators. Uh, you've got the vice president saying he's going to listen to this. This is something. But, but the reality is, Charlie, it's the same outcome. Yes, you, you, you have the same objections being raised by the losers that were raised by the losers in those occasions that I just talked about. And the fact is that the Democrats couldn't evidently convince more uh, of their hardcore partisans to join along in those challenges, as the Republicans have gotten a few more people to join along. And again, it's because of the very inappropriate and unacceptable behavior of this president. The fact is, he has exhibited unacceptable behavior long before he got into office. And I'm sure that he'll exhibit such behavior after he leaves office. It's just that then we won't have to pay attention to it. Kathy, is this uh, a tale of sound and fury? I got to tell you, to pay attention to it is, well, that's not what most people are going to be paying attention to on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we should be knowing or at least biting our fingernails in regards to whether or not Mitch McConnell in the Senate is going to be the Senate. And so from that perspective, what happens on Wednesday, if it looks like we're going to have two more Democratic United States senators, I'll tell you what happens on Wednesday. All action's going to be watching the rest of those votes coming in uh, in Georgia, and no one's going to be paying attention to these guys. The only thing I can tell you is that the other part that makes any kind of sense to watch this Wednesday facade is that we'll be watching to see which one of these guys is actually going to be the one who thinks they can win the actual uh, presidential votes that uh, allegedly Trump uh, has a hold on. From that perspective, it's not a small amount. Uh, The fact that he still has almost 50% of the vote, popular vote, the fact is, I say it's 46%. What happens is that um, we're going to be looking for the heir apparent in that group, who among those 12 is actually vying for the ability to have that uh, that kind of consequential wreath of non-power that Trump owns going into this. But if there is a change in the Senate on Wednesday, I look for it to be backroom chatter, 
not a lot of people listening, not a lot of people caring, and a new day in Washington. Randy, you and I have talked about the Electoral College versus the popular vote a couple times now. Mm -hmm. Um, Republicans have only won the popular vote once since 1988. So Mm -hmm. what do you think of their moves to throw out some results from the Electoral College? This doesn't seem like it's a good strategy. No, it's beyond stupid. But that is where our president has led uh, a a part of the Republican Party, not the part that I belong to, but the vacuous, idiotic part of the party that still believes that it is worthwhile to overturn the will of the American people and overturn states' rights. It is neither conservative nor sensible. And that's why conservatives and sensible people will be ignoring what happens on Wednesday in the U.S. Congress and instead will be focused on the policy differences between Republicans and Democrats that need to be debated, not these idiotic debates about whether the U.S. Congress can throw out the votes of the American people. I don't think that there's any doubt about it, that this is a made-for-TV. It's like, you know, we're in the first of the year, everything's boring, so let's try to come up with some news. The fact is, is that, uh, and, and I admit that the having 12 people actually testify, particularly when they include some of these guys that are already on the brink of being those that we Democrats call crazy anyways, the fact is, is that we get to the point of just thinking, okay, do this, you guys. It just gives a few more percentage points to our our soon-to-be incumbent president, Joe Biden. I think that all of this sort of plays towards Biden and the kind of stability and organization he's pulling together. I have to say that it's the Mitch McConnell that now a lot of anger, at least from the Democratic side, is aimed at. And so watching McConnell and what could be his um, ah, his swan song will be what we uh, focus on a whole lot more than a bunch of these guys railing about, you know, falsehoods that didn't happen. I do believe that one of the things working um, for us now is that there has been this sense of halo that has grown around elections officials. There are a whole lot more people who are saying good and actually standing up for and proving the point that our elections are probably and definitely looking like the most legal and upfront, I would say, um, accurate elections probably in the world. And so from that perspective, now that reputation kind of precedes us as we go into Wednesday and certainly into the new administration. Randy, let me ask you about that, because uh, that's not the unanimous uh, agreement among Republicans. Some are are saying they have legitimate concerns about this election. Shouldn't those objections be raised before Joe Biden does take office? I, I actually agree with many of those who believe that we have problems in our elections that we can fix. And that's absolutely correct. However, those problems did not result in this election being rigged, as the president has been suggesting for almost a year now, because he knew that the danger was he would lose, and he needed to have a way to say that he didn't really lose. It was stolen from him. So he'd been working on this for a year. There are legitimate questions about our elections processes, particularly 
in changes that were made in states in the run-up to the election to change their election laws in ways that they had not considered previously. And I think that it would behoove the vice president, as he readies to uh, assume the presidency, that Joe Biden would ask for a national commission to look into election challenges. And he would do it from a position of strength because he's the winner, he's the president. But he would have these questions answered so that in four years' time, Donald Trump Jr. doesn't get to run on the platform of trying to restore the Trump presidency that was stolen in 2020. And so I think that there is room for a commission on electoral processes that should be undertaken. And I, and I hope that Joe Biden does so because it would set this aside. It would show that were there illegal votes cast? Absolutely. But we're talking about very small numbers and for a lot of different reasons. But you could eliminate fraud as the reason that the election turned out the way it did in 2020 if you had such a commission. So I, I would hope to see it happen. I don't expect it, however, because the Democrats want to move on as well, because they don't want to admit that there could have been any wrongdoing whatsoever. And Actually, that's not true. The fact is, is that Biden has talked about it. He, and he's talked about it uh, post-presidency here in terms of his being named the president. The fact is, is I look this, I'm not sure he's going to call it a commission, but I have to say, I think we've already seen the beginnings of his looking at more standardization or more checks and balances on how uh, a community is actually moving in to any kind of changes in how they count the votes or even how uh, they're registered. I think that the day is coming when we will see national changes that are more similar and more accountable nationwide as opposed to just state by state. But I, I think that He's got a few other things on his plate right now. And so from that perspective, it may not be the first thing that he does. But I, I, I think the guy is pretty true about saying that, yeah, if there's a problem here, then let's take a look at it. He doesn't seem to be afraid. And I think that's something that a one-term president has, I would say, a, a feeling about that not other presidents have the luxury of thinking. And uh, lastly, I, I think both of you are uh, bringing up uh, is it Macbeth? A tale of sound of fury and fury and signifying nothing for the congressional uh, vote Wednesday. I, I'm curious about the best case, worst case, and most likely scenarios here. Again, you both uh, predicated this with uh, saying this is probably going to be a nothing burger. But what's the worst thing that could happen, best thing, and what do you think will happen? Well, the worst thing that can happen, Charlie, is for this to last beyond Wednesday, mm -hmm. for this charade to continue. Um, the United States Senate and the U.S. House have an opportunity to put a stake through heart of this vampire that we're calling the, a contested election. And they need to do that on Wednesday. So the worst case is, is if they're still debating about it into, Wednesday, into Thursday morning and it's just dragging on and continuing. The best case scenario is, that it actually gets shut down within an hour, that the 12, Demo or 12 Republicans in the U.S. Senate that uh, want to raise objections, fine, raise your objections, put some evidence forward. You don't have any, and all 12 of them can, can say that, there were, that they have objections. None of them has any evidence to overturn the election. 
And hopefully that comes out. That's the best case scenario. And we're done in an hour. And we can move on to getting ready to the real challenges that we face mm-hmm. as a country uh, and as a world uh, with the pandemic and the economic recovery we need. Kathy? Worst case scenario is that we know by the close of business tomorrow night, actually by the close of the day tomorrow night, that the two Democrats have taken over. And then at that point, what happens is that Mitch McConnell says the only hope we have is to go ahead and and make this as long as possible. And he changes his mind and goes back to the side of the forces of evil here and starts and, and aligns himself with what's going on there. Uh, best case scenario is, is that to me, they end up that the two, de- uh, the two Democratic senators um, become elected tomorrow. That's sorry, the, the two that are up uh, against the two challenges. And what happens is we end up not knowing, but with Ossoff and um, Reverend Rafael ahead. And then on Wednesday, uh, Mitch McConnell's not sure what's going to happen to him. And so he stays shut up and we end up getting it over as we look at the likelihood of a possible Democratic takeover of the United States Senate. That's Democratic strategist Kathy Allen and Republican strategist Randy Peppel talking with our own Charlie Harger. And that will do it for this episode of the Como Politicast. If you like the show, please leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. And for more, be sure to check out our other shows, such as Como News This Week, Life Beat with Marina Rockinger, and our hourly news updates. All are available at comonews.com slash podcasts or your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeff Pogelup. Thank you for listening and have a good week. 